0: Support this podcast and keep us going. Go to everydaynovelist.com slash support to join
1: up. Welcome to The Everyday Novelist. My name is J. Daniel Sawyer, author of nearly 30 books, more than 30 short stories, and numerous articles and scripts and essays, coming to you from up in the crow's nest with my spyglass on this daily voyage through the dicey waters of business, craft, learning, and art in the writing life. Welcome to... The Questions, episode 929. Today we hear from Charlie, who asks,
0: I am the worst possible configuration for a fantasy writer.
1: Uh, if you've got six arms, you can still write fantasy. You can just write three books at once. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he continues. Oh, sorry. I am a white, straight male. Being as such, there comes an issue of writing the other, which, in this case, is everything. If I want to write a female lead, or a non-white race, or even a character that is not straight, I could get bashed over the head with the dreaded appropriation bat. I do not want to write the simple straight white male hero, but we live in an age where there is this whole issue of cultural appropriation. Now, if I were to write a fantasy based on Norwegian culture, or Greek, or Latin, I would be safe from the social justice warriors. If I wanted to add an Asian influence, I grew up in the 80s with kung fu movies, or if I wanted to write a different sort of western, I also grew up on the westerns, I have the issue of the Native Americans as well. But I also served in the army for 12 years, and I've been exposed to multiple cultures, many of which I find to be more interesting than what I grew up with. While I do not plan to write a one-for-one direct descendant of other cultures, I want to avoid getting the SJWs riled up at me in defense of other cultures, because I want to write something other than what everything else has been before now. How far removed do I need to get my world to be from reality to feel safe from the overly PC culture that we have succumbed to?
1: Um... You gotta get over it. Um, to start this off with, I want to have Kitty say a few words because, as she likes to say, I am cultural appropriation.
0: Uh, let's just say that if if I if I were a writer and was staying in my lane, um, I am such a unique um, conglomeration of of yes. cultures, ethnicities, and other oppressed minority groups, that I would be basically writing um, only bisexual, mixed-raced Asian people. And I, that, that, that's just,
1: to <laughs> me,
0: weird. <laughs> Particularly since I have a hard time finding
1: characters... With weird religious ideas.
0: With weird religious ideas. Particularly since I have such a hard time finding any characters in the universe that look like me or are... Like me in more than one small way, I I have to think that I'm I'm there's not enough people
1: <laughs> who
0: would be able to stay in their lane by reading me.
1: <laughs> and
0: and I I'll, I'll also say that if if we're talking about uh, writing Greek cultures and ancient Norwe Norwegian versus ancient Asian ancient Greece. And European is far more removed from what we are today than your particular subculture of American is to any other particular subculture of American versus American and modern Asian. We're just so far removed from the past that touching on the past for inspiration is... You may as well be on another planet to begin with.
1: <laughs> we just did an episode mm-hmm. on historical fiction, which yeah. is uh, which is worth listening to, because a lot of what I said there applies here in some weird ways. Um, the short answer, the uncongenial answer, and the one that I will get shit for giving is, all culture is appropriation, so you just better fucking get over it mm-hmm. if you want to write. Somebody who has a hate on, will find a way to hate something you do. And, frankly, if you're not beholden to a publisher who can cancel your book as the result of a shitstorm, all press is good press. Now, now that we got that to one side... Actually, I'm going to go a little further on that track, because you have to understand the game theoretics of the situation you're looking at. When the Tolkien Society is excoriating J.R.R. Tolkien for being racist, sexist, homophobic, etc. Everything has descended into parody. I mean, and people will ship your characters no matter what. I mean, people have been shipping Frodo and Sam forever, which is kind of hilarious since they're both very much straight characters and since Bilbo, who is Frodo's (laughs) uncle, is 111 years old, rich, Loves, uh, loves drinking and partying and dressing nice and having a, a very foppish sense of the world and is single his whole life. There's your gay character in Tolkien. <laughs> if you oh, want a gay yeah. character in Tolkien. Which actually, frankly, would make sense from the milieu that Tolkien came from because that was how a lot of Victorian, gay Victorian gentlemen presented themselves publicly. Um, if they weren't married for the sake of having children and carrying on the family line, they were the respectable bachelor. That was the socially acceptable way to be gay in the culture he grew up in. So calling Bilbo gay is not all that much of a stretch, though if you ask Tolkien, he'd probably say, I never even thought about it. It wasn't on my radar. Mm-hmm. You're not going to avoid stepping on the toes of people who want their toes stepped on in order to give their lives meaning. There is a vast gulf between that and going out and writing the next Mein Kampf or the Next Clan Tract. And it is in that vast gulf where art and fiction actually exist. <laughs> Every human culture that exists is a conglomeration of ideas, forms, customs, attitudes literature, mythology, and religions that have been appropriated from other cultures, either via conquest or via evangelism by that other culture. Christianity is the Hellenization of a certain branch of Judaism. Um, Jews were the oppressed minority in the Hellenic world, and some Jews thought that the best way to deal with that was to draw themselves in and become a solid identity revolutionary group and then there were other hellenized jews who said now nah, the problem with being oppressed is that we're weird and so we want to make our ideas as mainstream as possible and they will oppress us less and that's where you get saint paul and the early christians islam is an importation into the islamic wo- or into the arab world of a certain strain of Christianity that was popular in Alexandria during the 4th and 5th centuries. Cultures mix. Everything that you, when you look around your room, your world, everything that you see is built from pieces taken from other places. And even the stuff that is authentically your own ancestral culture, the, uh, the say, the, the Icelandic sagas, the mythology of the Norse, Well, that's all influenced by the ancient Near Eastern mythologies and stuff from India that was carried on trade routes. The cotton in the clothes that you're in, that comes in the clothes that you're wearing, that comes originally from India. Um, Literally everything about the world is built up from pieces of dead or marginalized cultures. That's true not just in our world. It's true in every part of the world. The difference between, say, pre-revolutionary Chinese culture and pre-World War II Japanese culture and the culture of the West is not that the culture of the West was built on looting and pillaging everybody else's stuff. It's that the Eastern cultures, uh, particularly Imperial Japan and Imperial China, were so controlled from the top down that anything that got imported got an official mythological gloss so that it appeared to always have been part of the culture, even though it wasn't. Just as relationships between people change the people involved, if you're in a long-term romantic relationship, for example. I I,
0: I would add that um, in, in Asian cultures, it's not just it's not just the the top down thing. Mm-hmm. It's anything that is imported, is made fully Japanese, made fully Chinese. Yes, it, it, it's it's not grafted on. It, it's recontextualized, re- re- for them.
1: Yeah, like Buddhism is originally Indian, but it's mm-hmm. now the most popular religion across most of the ancient near, uh, most of the ancient Far East.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's. Chinese Buddhism is very Chinese, and Japanese Buddhism is Mm -hmm. very, very Japanese.
1: Korean Buddhism is very, very Korean. And they're very distinct cultures. And they're all incredibly racist (laughs) in ways that make our culture look positively open. The notion that you're going to build anything that's original first of all is a non-starter originality in that sense doesn't exist the idea that you're going to get something so far removed from any given culture that no one is going to be able to spot ah he borrowed that from this place that's also a delusion you may be good enough at your world building that that won't be the first thing that leaps to mind and that's something to aspire to but you can't write defensively like that and still write well and attempting to do so is just a way to kill your creative voice out of the gate. I don't use sensitivity readers for this reason, because I refuse to write defensively. If I'm going to write an other that I don't have enough experience with, I dive into that culture. And I do my best. And that's all you can do. Just like if you were doing a historical, you dive into the time period. And you learn what that time period meant to the people in it and how the world looked. And then you do your best
0: with all examples of writing the other, whether the other is a person from the same time and period in a different city of a different race or, um, a different social class, whether the other is someone from another planet, whether it's someone who occupies a pre-modern magical society, um, the best thing you can do as a writer is to write that character in a way that makes sense to them and their world. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a rambly way to say it, but get in their headspace, write them according to their worldview and their values, and don't parody them. Don't
1: Unless it's a parody.
0: Unless it's a parody. Don't parody them in order to get points for your team.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, don't glorify them to make them look better than us or. Because
1: that'll get points with the people you're afraid of.
0: Yeah. Write them true to themselves and what matters to them.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Verisimilitude is the answer to all this the integrity of the illusion that you're creating. There will always be people who exist. Simply to tear illusions apart and to criticize them because they don't have a creative bone in their body, and so destruction is all they can do. Or because they feel envious that you're a better creator than they are. Or because they're afraid that you'll be more popular than they are once you find your audience. Envy is the driver of all of this There's a lot of ideological stuff that goes into it. You can dive deep into Hegelianism to see what's driving a lot of the um, attempt to deconstruct culture in the hopes that something new and better will emerge revolutionarily on the other side. But at bottom, it's all premised on envy and on timidity. So your best defense against that is to be as bold as you can manage with as much integrity as you can do it don't take the easy road and there are some really good ideas and essays floating around in the sjw and adjacent spaces one of the best um, essays i ever read on female representation was pointing out that every culture has their defaults in the world we live in for example 8 times out of 10 or 7 times out of 10 you run into a cop, the cop's going to be a male. Now, you can do that and have your have any cop that shows up in your world be a male. And some in depending on the world you're writing in, that's all that's the only way to do it. But sometimes if it's an open culture where there is relative parity between the genders, you can have the cop be a female or be someone who is intersex or be someone who has a fluid gender identity and it doesn't do anything but add to the story. And when you have those opportunities, that's a great way to handle diversity just looking at your own defaults. And if you read back over a book of yours and you're like, you know, everybody here kind of talks the same. Everybody here feels like they're cut from the cloth that I am used to. when you find yourself doing that, you know if it will not derail the story, it's worth going in and adding texture making those minor characters their own people whether that means you're giving them divergent ethnic backgrounds or personal backgrounds or religious backgrounds or accents anything you can do to add texture to your world will win you the love of your readers And beyond that, the best you can do is to try to do things as honestly and well as you can. If you write a really, really accurate other, let's say, for example, that you're uh, someone who grew up in the, nor- mid- uh, in the northern Midwest and you want to set a contemporary crime novel there and you want to have tribal politics pe- play a role. Well, the easy way to do that is to make all your tribal characters the activist types. And that will certainly pass muster with the people you're afraid of. It's not a very good way to write a book. You certainly do get activist types among the tribal folks, especially among the leadership, but you also get people who have a very different view of the world than the activists, and you get people who've got some things in common with the activists and some things not in common with the activists. What you want is your characters not to be stereotypes of whoever. You can start with a stereotype, but you then want to use that as a jumping off point for deeper and more honest characterization. And the problem with stereotypes from my point of view is not that they're racist. I dislike it when they're racist, but the real artistic problem is that they're lazy. And there's something we've all seen before, and if you're going to do something we've all seen before, you better do it in a special way, or you're going to bore your readers. The aesthetic consideration to me is far more important, and it gets it takes care of almost all of the political and uh, current moral panic problems along the way. But you don't want to be looking at those problems directly because you're going to second guess everything, and you're going to neuter your story. You're going to find yourself unwilling to make a bad guy who doesn't look and sound like you. And while that can be great in a book, if that's what everybody's doing, and if that's what you're doing in every book, it's going to get boring, and you're not going to hold your readers. You want your characters to be well-drawn and complex, and you want your stories to be fearless. Because readers, if they want... If readers want stuff that'll reinforce everything that they already believe... Uh, they'll go to Marvel movies. <laughs> if readers are going to pick up a book, they want to be taken away from the normal everyday life. And the louder that the culture wars get, the more appeal to readers that books that just eschew the culture wars entirely have.
0: Absolutely.
1: Anyway, that's the way I think about it.
0: Write the cultures that you're interested in be um, be influenced by what fascinates you.
1: Your voice is all you've got, and everyone else can go and f*** themselves. Oh, by the way, this is the last episode we've got a question for, so it's time to send in more questions. You guys have been excellent so far. Uh, this summer you've kept us going. Please keep us going some more. And, uh, yeah, so that's what we've got. And we'll see you tomorrow.